Hey everyone, this is Josh from Life on Side B, and thanks for joining us again for another week. Today, Grant, Mary, myself, along with Michelle from season one, she's back. The four of us are going to be talking about things many of us, as LGBT people, hear or are asked by straight people in our lives. We're going to talk about these different things that many of us have heard, how they impact our lives, And it honestly has generated both a lot of funny conversation and some very impactful conversation. Along with that, for all of our patrons listening, after the episode, we couldn't get through all of it just in the episode, so we decided to stay on and record some extra content, which will be available later on this week on the Patreon page. If you are not a patron but interested in supporting us and getting extra content, go to patreon.com slash lifeonsideb and sign up. So with that, let's head into today's episode. (laughs) Oh gosh, I, I just can't. Okay. I love that. With that, let's go ahead and start. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us again for another week of our weekly podcast since we've gone from, you know, bi weekly to bi weekly? No, bi weekly would be twice a week. No, no bi weekly yeah. would be no, every, week, every two weeks. Every, other <laughs> every two weeks. Okay, good. Yeah. So we've gone from bi weekly to gay week. No, I'm joking. <laughs> bi monthly. Oh, my gosh. Um, and now today we are having a fun, random topic episode, which I was like, what are we going to talk about this week since we're doing something every week? And you know what? We are going to discuss questions and fun, interesting comments that many LGBT side B Christians have received. So over the past week, we have reached out in different platforms to a lot of side B Christians and asked them, tell us what are some interesting questions and fun comments that you've received from straight people, from critics, from whoever it might be. And we've gotten the results and now we're going to discuss it. So today I'm with here with Grant. Hi. And Mary. <laughs> Hello. And returning to us from season one is Michelle. I'm back. Yay. <laughs> you thought you could get rid of her, but you no, can't. Never. <laughs> Who would ever want to get rid of Michelle? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, this is going to be an interesting topic and oh, interesting yeah. discussion. And we want to clarify, and please, you guys, add on anything that you're wanting to say in this. But we want to clarify that, first of all, in this conversation, as we discuss things that have been shared with different side B people from from people in their lives, none of this is to look down on um, the people who are asking. Many of these comments actually come, I think, from very intentional people wanting to learn. Absolutely. And so... None of this is to look down on on straight people or cisgender people or anything like that. It is more to kind of give a light into a lot of what side B people experience. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any further comments with that you wanted to share? Yeah, I go on. Grant, I heard you inhale. <laughs> 
I was inhaling a big breath to prepare. Um, and then I cut you I off. Just, go on, go on. <laughs> I just, I don't want someone who has asked some of these questions before to feel like we're making fun of them. Like I, I just think um, sometimes we get, we get kind of taken aback by the questions that are asked of us mm -hmm. or the comments that are made. Um, and I want to say, I'm, I mean, I'm probably, I have probably asked questions. I think this is less true because I sort of have to swim in the, in the straight world a lot, but I'm, I'm just as mystified by straight people sometimes. So I like, they can is, be mystifying. Is just, it is. It's, it's very, very, like very interesting. I just, this can be a healing moment. We just want to clear some misunderstandings away. That's what, yeah. what's, that's what we're doing. <clears throat> and to kind of add some... to that from, oh, sorry. No, go on. Uh, no, I was just going to say to add to that from um, part of the reason why I'm on here is to, is to provide the straight voice and mm -hmm. <laughs> um, to kind of come from the opposite side of the spectrum. And some of these questions are things that I've asked in the past or maybe not necessarily asked, but I've thought about and maybe never had the guts to ask. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. And even some of them are just random random things that like I've thought about or that I can see other straight people that have asked in the past. So that's partly um, we're kind of discussing it more from both sides of the street. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All I would add is that I see a lot of these questions. Um, I think what people assume, I it, it betrays a thought process. I think the people asking these questions normally because when you confide in someone, I'm gay or gender dysphoric or trans or whatever, or um, anything like that, it seems to immediately jump to questions about physical attributes. And mm. I think that's the same, you would have the same level of reaction to this if you said to somebody, I like, you know, you went up to a father and said, I like your daughter. And the father immediately said, how many times have you imagined her naked? You would. It's that kind of. <laughs> so I yeah. don't. So mostly what I want to say, though, before I have completely had all the straight listeners leave this podcast is just to say, <laughs> be more thoughtful. And that's really what we're trying to go for here. Just yeah. trying to be thoughtful in these conversations because yeah, it matters. Absolutely. I will say also with all of that, there are some questions in here that I go, what? <laughs> or it comments that I go, what? Yeah. So yeah. with that, there, there's just a wide range of things here. And we're going to all get into it. And I am really excited. So I am excited too. to mm -hmm. start that off. What, what would you say as you guys have read through this? looked through it a little bit. What are some ones that have stood out to you? Well, um, I have a thought on actually number one. Um, You'll have to read is, it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> make sure my, everyone, when you, that, when you put one, make sure you read the, read it. Right. Yeah. I, I was gonna, I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, so, which is this, my favorite remark in response to co me coming out, oh, my old so-and-so or enter person here is gay too. So, mm -hmm. because I totally get it on some level. This is the way a lot of people react, I think, 
anyways. And this doesn't seem all that thoughtless to me in the same way that if somebody says, I have depression, my immediate response usually is to say, oh, me too. Um, Yeah. Mm. Or to, you know, to immediately say, I hear you. I can relate to that uh, empathetically or compassionately. And I get that. So, but at the same time, maybe wait for them to explain more of their story before you try and either immediately a hooking them up with uh other gay people that you know hot single gays in your area no um <laughs> not prob- that's probably not what they're trying to do but you know saying oh i'm such a good ally because i know this other one too like i feel like sometimes that can detract from this very personal thing that you're uh, non-straight, non-cis friend is coming to you with and just trying yeah. to immediately make it about your good allyship. And that's mm. not what you should do. Yeah, I think that I I didn't really notice that before, but that definitely resonates with me. I think I usually think of this kind of question as sort of a prelude to um, like, oh, do you know this person that I know who is gay? Which is another interesting assumption that yeah. sort of like that all all gay all queer people know each other mm. it's the um, beehive mind i i mean oftentimes we do honestly but <laughs> there's there's but a yeah i know him <laughs> there's a there's a meme that's going around where it's like like it, it's a gay person and then a straight person goes out and saying oh you're gay oh do you know such and such? And then the gay person says, like, oh, we don't all know each other. And then the straight person shows in their phone, like, oh, that jerk. <laughs> 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 Language is different in the meme, yeah. but that's the thing. Yeah, actually, I actually had a, a experience like that. But I had someone who learned about me being gay from someone else and came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so cool. And I, I could tell they wanted to show that they were supportive uh-huh. and i was like great and they're like you know i have so many gay friends do you know this person and i was like nope and they're like do you know this person nope do you know this person and they i they went through about 10 people and i was like no and and then they were like oh my gosh that's so surprising i'm like yeah it's surprising that like gay people are more than 10 in this in this city <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i think there that um, of like saying that you have a, a gay friend is that you want to signal safety to someone else. Yeah. You mm-hmm. you want to share that like, oh, I like this isn't new to me. You've not caught me off guard. Um, that sort of thing, yeah. which I which I really appreciate. I just yeah. I don't like being the the hypothetical gay friend that is used Mm -hmm. exactly (laughs) you know (laughs) like i understand i understand the what's what might be happening inside but it makes me a little uncomfy Mm -hmm. that's true all right so what's another one that stood out to someone um i thought one that was really funny was the uh there was one about like a piece of advice from a youth pastor several years ago. When you meet your future wife, the sex thing won't be a big deal. Some women do enjoy sex. Some women do not enjoy sex as much as men do. In fact, I read an article recently that says about 80% of women don't actually enjoy the act of intercourse. 
um as as a straight woman um (laughs) yeah i'll let the women handle this one i'm just like i feel bad for the woman in this marriage Mm. scenario um yeah Like, I, I guess I can kind of understand where the pastor was coming from. But at the same time, I'm like, um, there, I think there's something bigger going on here than just uh, a gay person getting married to someone of the opposite sex. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. That um, one was just kind of like a funny <laughs> one for me. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much more than just sex it's it's one of those i i can't imagine a single married couple shortening their entire marriage their covenant together to just sex right. and so if you're yeah. starting there you've already got a problem i think <laughs> in defining marriage like just sex just about that it's yeah yeah there's it's not irrelevant but obviously <laughs> it's a little bit more encompassing than that i would hope yeah, there there is this I, weird balance with marriage where you um you know, obviously it's not all sex, but then you're like, well, but I feel like sex is still an important yeah. part. And yeah. I, <laughs> I love when someone saw this, a comment that came up related to this was someone said reason num reason number a thousand to be a lesbian. <laughs> 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 I can't tell you how many guys every time somebody says something like this I get a bigger head as a lesbian and I (laughs) and I shouldn't because I'm celibate yeah Uh. (laughs) but I somehow get a big head over things I haven't done (laughs) yeah 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 there was a lot of marriage comments there was a lot of multiple things of someone saying well why don't you just get married or yeah. Like there, there was another one of like your children will create love between you and your wife. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my! I'm like that. That, uh, that feels really... like using people. Yeah, oh. it's like that's not really yeah. how love works. Mm-hmm. Um, like kids don't just make it better. I think, like, kind of not necessarily about the LGBT issue, but just about marriage in general. I think there's a lot of times where it's like you think that once you do something like once you buy a big house or once you get a a raise in your job or once you have kids like if you get pregnant and you have kids all of a sudden there's going to be this magical fix in your relationship um but that's not always the case um and in fact it's rarely ever the case and i think that kind of just ties into the whole sex thing it's like you can't just boil down your relationship to just sex or just kids yeah yeah right yeah and i mean just i would argue that this is good advice for anybody never never enter into a relationship where you think you're going to be the one that changes them Mm -hmm. yeah your be it your sexual orientation be it uh their religious yeah. uh beliefs be it anything yeah. about them be it even just your habit of whether or not they clean up after themselves like never mm. never think that you you'll be the one to change them they can change yeah it will not be because of you it will be beca- be because they wanted to they chose yeah. to do uh- that Unless he's wearing a diaper, you can't change him. That's yeah. what I've heard. It's just, it's just you one of those things. You can't thi- change it, him. Uh, you know, I've actually, 
thinking about this now, this is kind of interesting because you constantly get this narrative, especially women get this narrative of you can change mm. him. He, you know, he was a loud mouth, you know, lazy brat. <laughs> she was perfect in every way. Yeah. Can I make it any more obvious? And just this is kind of interesting, actually, that this how this plays over as an analogy to gay people. <laughs> just like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you can change, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of. Mm -hmm. I think this kind Go of on. relates something you said earlier about like the whole changing people thing. Um, it kind of goes back yeah. to a situation that I was in in high school where I was actually dating a gay guy who had not come out yet. And um, <laughs> and so I <laughs> well, let's just share a moment for all the straight people who have dated. Yeah. Um, silence. But it was like, like it, when I was I was dating this guy when I was like 15 or 16. And so in my naive straightness, I thought that like if he people were coming up to me saying like, oh, he's gay. You know, he's gay, right? Michelle, do you know he's gay? And I'm like, um, and so like me being young and naive, I was like, but he's dating me. So how could he be gay if he's dating a woman? Mm. Um, and so mm -hmm. like looking back, I think it's a, it was kind of like a really funny situation in my life. But um, I think it kind of goes back to that where it's like uh, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I mean, if he's with a woman, that means that he's not gay or that maybe he's, hmm. uh, it, I, I don't know how to describe it. I guess like the best way that I could use it would be like, oh, he's healed in mm. my naiveness. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. But like looking back, I'm like, oh, okay. That's not how that worked very well. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I think that... Um, is a good point to to bring in um, talking about mixed orientation relationships. Yes. I know sometimes, absolutely. yeah, sometimes we can, um, when we talk about straight people dating uh, gay people, um, I think sometimes it's kind of easy, especially for one who feels called to lifelong celibacy like myself, um, to sort of just laugh um, and not say that, like, I have friends who are gay, who have dated and married a person of the opposite sex, and they right. love their marriage, and they're very open, and it's very wonderful. That being said, oftentimes it can be, it can be unhealthy if you're not really clear. So we just, yeah, just to say, love mixed orientation relationships, big fan, <laughs> have some close friends, they're great. But yes, mm -hmm. yeah. yes, yes. Well, and I think that even plays into some of the other comments we got around it. And uh, especially with bisexual people who get into mixed orientation, mar uh, like marriages and relationships. Uh, for instance, one of them, number 21, was, but like, eventually you'll be in a relationship and then you'll, you're either straight or lesbian, right? Or... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, hmm. uh, or like number 18, which also connects to that from, from one of my best friends, but you like guys, so you're not really bi. Um, um and I, I think I feel so bad for all bisexual people. <laughs> I feel so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that there's some idea, especially with bisexual people that once they get in a relationship with one, well then they, that's what they are, you know, uh, that they're gay or yeah. straight. And it's like, nope, they're still still attracted, both sexes, you know, depending on how yeah. they're ex 
attractions are experienced because I know bisexual people, each bisexual person um, experiences their attractions mm -hmm. very differently. Right. But I know that that's a yeah. big thing. And it, it even goes to mixed orientation marriages between a gay person and a straight person. Like once you get married, that doesn't get rid of the attractions on the part of the non-straight spouse. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, they're still right. there. Just like, just like a straight person when they get married, they don't cease to be attracted to every other person in the world. Mm -hmm, exactly. Like yeah. th there's still something that you have to reckon with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and talking while we're talking about like the bisexual comments in here, there's two other ones that just made me laugh, which was number 22. I told my dad I was bisexual. <laughs> and the only thing he ever said about it was, well, that happens sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that happens sometimes. It, I think. Yeah. Man, that's such a chill response. I don't even know. How to it's like that. I don't I don't think that's even bad. I would love I, that response. I kind of love it. I know that's not a no, bad response. Happens. Like parents take note. <laughs> well, that happens. Well, you know. <laughs> I mean it it sounds kind of I mean some of it could be a little like Mom, this is a really big deal for me. <laughs> right, <I'm laughs> like, I, I want you to take this a little bit more yeah. seriously. But on the other hand, I've heard some real bad coming out experiences, uh -huh. and this is not a bad one. <laughs> this is yeah. this is quite manageable yeah. emotionally for me. Yeah. Well, and there's even yeah. like a similar one among the because then we have a lot of comments of when people come out, and so down in the coming out ones. Uh, number nine just made me laugh, which was like, I said, I'm gay. Can you please put the phone down? My older brother. What? Me. I'm gay. My older brother. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm like, are those the new coming out stories in the next generation? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I think they are. Because my brother is Gen Z, and that's more or less how he responded. It was wow. it was just an okay. <laughs> like that is which, fascinating. It's a huge improvement from um, all the anxiety that I had around the ways that it could have gone, for sure. Yeah. But um, but you know, I guess at the same time, you know, try not to be dismissive. Try, and also just try to let um whoever's coming out to you talk mm. and if that yeah because it'll vary from each person like some of my sibs i wanted to go in detail some of them i just wanted this is it and let's never talk about it again actually <laughs> mm, yeah i i have five other siblings and it was different each time <laughs> yeah um one of the the questions that stuck out to me was uh, number 26, uh, and it was about, um, like, what is it like to, to be gay and be in, like, the locker room or, like, a public restroom? And I, I have found that this perspective, what I will share, is very helpful oftentimes for people who ask the question, but gay and bi people have had so much practice <laughs> Yeah. being in public restrooms mm -hmm. and locker rooms like a hundred percent more experience than straight people in managing their attraction to other people 
who are in various stages of yeah. undress. Right. We're we're experts in it. I'm not saying we're perfect, mm-hmm. but I'm saying yeah. that we have we have been doing it our whole lives. So when I say that, when I share that with with people who ask, oftentimes it's like, oh yeah. Oh, that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh no, that's so true because I still remember in- so many experiences of being like in PE or being or even like my brother played baseball and we would go back to the locker room of it when I was like as young as I can remember when I was finally realizing like wow gay guy like other guys really take my attention (laughs) and so you do you have experience (laughs) of it going back so young that now it's like oh it's nothing like that's just life yeah that's a good point I like that I kind of chuckle a little bit, just kind of on on the flip side. I think there's always that taboo of like women should not go and see like a man undressing or like men and should, you know, avert their eyes when there's other women. And like, especially in church culture, um, I think there's always mm-hmm. like that taboo of be- getting too close to the opposite sex. And then um, to me, it's always kind of been a little funny that like gay people don't necessarily get that. And so it's yeah. like. Um, so that's kind of why I, I chuckled yeah. a little bit when you when you were talking about it, Drew, because I'm like, <laughs> oh, hey, there's like a, a double standard there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I wonder if you could uh, speak to whether or not you think about this, because certainly I don't know if this is amplified because the experience of being female is in a lot of different ways, the experience of being having gaze acted upon you, being subjected to the male gaze, being your body feeling like it is not your own. Mm. Uh, I will try not to go too deep into it, but the first time I was approached by an older man for sex was when I was 11 on the bus. So there, wow. so with that, with that in mind, I know, I'm sorry, oh, I took that way dark, but I meant Whoa. to. But anyways, um, the point being that I think especially for women, you are you are constantly subjected to the idea that your body is not yeah. your own and people subject their gaze onto you. And so you were very conscious, even more so, I think, of the dignity that other women hold and that you would never, you know, even if you are attracted to them, you would never try and make them uncomfortable. That is because you know intimately what it feels like to be kind of robbed mm. of that dignity and being looked at in that yeah. way. So I just wanted to add that as well. That's Michelle, really that's, helpful. Yeah, I think yeah. I don't. I think that's kind of like a woman thing in general, um, or just a female thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I've luckily I've never necessarily had experiences like that where um, someone just kind of randomly approached me um, and saw me as more yeah. like a sexual toy. Um, but I've definitely mm. gotten looks and stares and comments and stuff uh, just throughout my life and. Um, and so I think it's, there is definitely a sense of whenever you're seeing another woman walking by themselves, especially if it's late at night, it's kind of like all of a sudden your attention is kind of on that woman because you're trying to make sure that she's okay and making sure that there's nobody else around her or, um, like, I think it just also makes you a little bit more conscious and stuff in that regard. And, and I think it does definitely give you. Um, a more sense of another woman's dignity, especially like, cause you can kind of tell if, if a woman's a little bit more downcast and 
uh, like submissive or just like kind of trying to remain unnoticed or if there's a woman that's like more of the attitude mm. of like come at me bro i'm gonna like take you down with my claws <laughs> or something um yeah so it's like i think it definitely yeah. makes you pay attention a lot more in that area mm. Mm. Good. yeah yeah i i think as we're kind of now getting into especially the questions that um lgbt people have received from straight people we can well first of all i know um I, I think this is one i don't know of a single queer person that hasn't received this question but how do you know you're gay or how do you know you're lesbian <laughs> yeah and oh you know I, it's so i know process, man. I, I mean the only response <laughs> i've ever so been able to give to that is like how do you know you're straight like <laughs> Yeah. Like I and and because I've even had multiple friends who've yeah. done the whole thing of like, but how do you know you don't like girls if you've never been like on a date with a girl or kissed a girl? And I'm like, how do you know you don't like guys if you've never kissed or been on a date with a guy? Yeah. Like you just know. Um Yeah. You, I think for everyone it's kind of a dawning awareness. Like when you're when you're really young. At least this is my experience, and I assume it's the experience of most people, but you just start to gravitate sort of naturally toward people you find more interesting, and you don't even really know why. And then as you get a little older, you're like, oh, like my heart is beating faster. Oh, I'm getting sweaty palms around this person. Oh, people are talking about the people that they find attractive, and all the people around me are talking about people of the opposite sex, but I inwardly, I'm thinking, I'm just so glad to be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just, <laughs> like it's it just sort of slowly and organically happens. And so yeah. I, I yeah. knew really early on that I was drawn to men, but I didn't know that it was like in every way until maybe mm. puberty, until I was like just figuring out yeah. being a sexual being, you know? Yeah. I I would mostly just say this. It took me extensively long to figure myself out. I mean, I'm not even sure I'm considered a late bloomer in terms of girls, but I know in general it seems girls take longer. I don't know if that has to do mm-hmm. with culture and, you know, just think about the onslaught. Onslaught, I say. Sorry. I love romantic comedies, believe me. Um, but <laughs> there, are, there are so many romantic comedies where girl ends up with guy. And yeah. so that's, that's a message that you ingrain in yourself. And so even the idea that you could be a different way doesn't occur to you. It didn't occur to me yeah. at all. I remember kissing my first boyfriend in high school and saying, well, that was uncomfortable. But I guess I'm just <laughs> slow. You know, maybe if I kiss him a bunch of other times, I'll finally, you know, it'll be finally great. Yeah. And I don't think it was, you know, you know what, I'm not yeah. going to go into that. But basically, basically, you know, it. Think, think about how many different messages tell you that you should be attracted to men or women, you know, as mm-hmm. your gender yeah. is. And the fact that this even comes to the f- light, it takes some time. I, 
you know what? That rant went on nowhere. I apologize. Well, actually, no, it okay. connects to a question I wanted to ask you. And and I think, Michelle, I'd also like to ask about like the general female experience, but also specifically with lesbians is a lot over the time of getting to know different queer women, uh, both on the podcast as well as just in general life. I've learned that sometimes you're right. Like I hear a lot of lesbians that feel like it took them longer to really figure out their attractions. And then even some like women who identify as ace kind of, I think this connects back to the other comment about, Oh, women don't really care about sex, but like, even we've had, I've talked to uh, a friend of mine who's a lesbian who now is really discovering that she's more ace, but it's because she just always assumed because culture had told her, Oh, women don't really enjoy sex. So maybe it's just, the general female experience. And now she's realizing, wow, yeah. actually, no, like women do enjoy sex and it's just more yeah. me. <laughs> Michelle, go I, ahead first. Um, I think I'm just going to kind of talk about the whole trying to figure out attractions thing. Cause I mean, I think that there, even for straight people, there is a period where you're trying to figure out your attractions. And granted that was mm. not necessarily something that I ever struggled with mostly, but um i think even like growing up it's like you see another female that you know is classically beautiful and and attractive and stuff and you're kind of like wait am i attracted to them like as a lesbian or am i just noticing their beauty because like i'm a human being and human beings are notice beauty um and so mm. i think the that kind of um i think kind of going back to the whole taking longer I don't know if it necessarily takes longer. Like I always knew that I was attracted to men, even from a relatively young age, like even playing when we were kids playing dolls, I would always make my sister um, like play the man in the scenario because I wanted my character to end up with the man. <laughs> so, oh my god! I was, I was the oldest sister. So I'm like, you get to play the man. You can play the prince and like, I'll play the princess. And eventually my mom had to be like, Michelle, wow. you have to let your sister play the princess too. <laughs> oh my gosh. So oh, no, I'm just, I'm saying, oh my gosh, because I always wanted to be, because me and my, me and my sisters would, um, it's not that we would play princess or anything, but we did love the idea of dancing. I think we were so obsessed. I think Sound of Music especially yeah. made us so obsessed with like, oh man, dances can be so cute and it can be like romantic <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. But I always wanted to be the lead. Uh-huh. Mm. Wow. <laughs> um, and I think that relates to a different question that we can go back to because I saw that oh, and I was just like, wow. ooh, oh yeah, nope. Um, but anyways, uh in terms of taking longer, I don't think it's because of, well, I, I don't know, because I'm speaking from exactly one experience, yeah. my own. Mm -hmm. So, but here's what my own experience was. It was, I think like Grant said, being drawn to people, not really knowing what that means. And I think there's constantly this assumption that, oh, it must have been sexual. Like, were you attracted to girls sexually? you know, when you were just a little kid playing, like, no, I don't genuinely think so. I think it was just that I knew that I loved being around girls. I knew that yeah. I kind of, I wanted to be one of the boys, but I also was so drawn to girls and just, you know, playing with them and 
that yeah. is not meant to be anything more than what it said. I'm yeah, sorry. No, wow. that's good. Yeah. And cause I mean, I'm that's just, just been, <laughs> no, that's just been kind of one of the things I've thought through has been, I've wondered how much this societal idea that sometimes still persists that women just aren't as sexual beings as men has played into women, like lesbians as they're discovering themselves and finding themselves not as attracted to men, just kind of t- saying what you thought, like, Oh, maybe I need to do this a few more times before yeah. I figure it out. <sighs> Um, mm. kind of thing, but yeah, it's and I, it's hard because I know every person's experience is a little bit different. Um, yeah, right. It, mm-hmm, go ahead. It reminds me of um, I don't know if y'all have heard or listened to ContraPoints on YouTube. A couple um, of times, yeah. Fabulous. Natalie Wynn is just amazing in so many ways. So she's she's a transgender woman who um, does like basically YouTube philosophy. Um, And she's incredibly intelligent. You don't have to agree with all her points, but um, one of the things she just talked about, she released a video on shame Mm. and she was talking about her experience of like, first she had to come out as being trans, I think. And then she came out as bi. And then she realized that she's not actually bi. She's a lesbian. Right. And she had to be like, she had to wrestle with um, what she called um, compet, compulsive heterosexuality. This idea that to be a woman is so wrapped up in to be attracted to men that like it's difficult for people to tear them apart, uh, to, to distinguish them. And so she's like, well, I know that I'm a woman. I know I, I'm, I'm trying to be a woman. Um, I know lots of listeners will have thoughts on that. but. I, I want to I, I want to live as a woman, so that means that I have to be attracted to men, even if I'm not. And so it took like years and years and years for her to process through all that. Um, and just now she just recently came out. Mm. So yeah. I think it's like a it's a huge to some extent this happens for um, compulsive heterosexuality for men too, but I think it might be especially acute for women. I don't know if I don't want to speak authoritatively on that, but from what it seems like listening to to y'all, it feels more acute for women. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that. Um I could go back to media and how even even now when we can say things like, oh, we've got Wonder Woman, um my favorite show is Supergirl. We've got all these female protagonists, but very often growing up, you were acted you were the side character and you were just the Mm. love interest and so it was decently wrapped up into the idea of being feminine at all was to be the love interest and to be the supportive help meet and you know all of that be intertwined and even i wonder if on some level it's also because women um in general are allowed to be more comfortable around each other like you know i had Mm, sleepovers all the time sharing beds and that was not at all weird um and so it kind of gets wrapped up and uh rationalized in the narrative as well because one of my love hate i have a love hate relationship with the word girl crush because Mm. on the one hand i i very much stand by i figured out that i was gay exactly when i needed to figure out Mm -hmm. because otherwise i think the realization would have killed me Mm. um (laughs) so so there's that but there's also the fact that 
I definitely daydreamed about kissing my um, my college uh, friend, you know, in freshman year and said, wow, I guess this is just that lesbian experience that they say you'll have once in college. Wow. Glad I got that over with. I'll never have to worry about this again. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's all uh, rationalized yeah. in that. And I think you will constantly find a synthesis to rationalize it away. And I think that's the wall that a lot of girls crop up against. Yeah. That's what I would um, argue. I think for me, I never necessarily struggled with the whole like college lesbian experience because like to me, it was just like, <laughs> it didn't appeal to me. Um, I was uh, more right. busy fantasizing about guys. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but, nice. <laughs> But I think it's kind I of relate to you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the bonding. <laughs> the bonding. Yeah. I love this. Um, but I think I think going back to the whole uh like female thing, I think female experience thing, I think it's a lot of it is that in our culture a lot of a woman's identity is wrapped up in men. It's wrapped up in mm. um, men's identities because there is that tradition of the women being the helpmate and the women um, kind of being like the sidekick in a sense. Um, and I think mm. in recent years that's been changing. So, I mean, I don't want to say that like that's still the case for in general, but um, but I think that that kind of like where the woman is allowed to be softer and the woman is allowed to be uh where women are allowed to be more comfortable around each other. Like you walk down the street and it's not weird for you to see two women holding hands, even if they're uh, two very heterosexual mm -hmm. women. Um, yeah. Like, but it's strange to see men holding hands. Um, and so yeah. I think it's just a lot of like the female identity is still so wrapped up and ingrained into the male identity that it's kind of hard to take it apart a little bit. Very good. Yeah. I love this conversation. We're going to move to uh, another yeah. point because <laughs> we have a lot more stuff yes. that people want. That was so helpful. It was. It was, it was so good to really hear good. And you, you know women. what, Grant, we should, we should change the stereotype that men, <laughs> well, actually, we wouldn't be changing the stereotype that if men go down the street holding hands that they're not straight. So we wouldn't help them. Yeah, we would be reinforcing the stereotype. <laughs> we would be reinforcing. That just, that just hit my brain. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't care. It's cute. Yeah, so um, Michelle also brought some questions yes, so that she's asked and she's had other people <laughs> ask before so we're you want to share one of yeah, them yeah i love so this i'm excited i, I kind of want to take a turn a little bit and my question okay. personally very random is why do gay men have a gay accent no matter where they are in the world it always seems to be that there's a gay accent i mean i don't like, <laughs> I, I love <laughs> That question. <laughs> did your voice drop like three octaves? Of course it did. This is what are you talking this, about? Talking about. That's, your, that's your heterosexual voice. Hetero. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. I think. Well, I have known a lot of gay men who don't have gay accents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think they're like there's a stereotype for a reason. Like I think there is, and I think there's a lot of shame actually about saying that there's a such thing yeah. as a gay accent because people start to think that by, by mentioning that there is a such thing as a gay accent, you might be just stereotyping gay men and, and it might be actually kind of homophobic. Yeah. Mm. But 
I, as one who has a gay accent <laughs> myself, <laughs> I have also noticed, even as I've traveled abroad, um, there there is a different kind of gay way of speaking um, for men in in different languages too. And I think what makes most sense to me is that gay men growing up might have a lot of um, female role models. Mm -hmm. And they might just sort of organically latch onto the way that their female mm. role models speak. Because at least for me, it like the female the 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 woman's like social situation resonated more with me sometimes mm -hmm. than a man's social situation. And so I just sort of I think I gradually started speaking in a higher higher mm -hmm. voice, like little linguistic things, but it, it took like years. And I think it only really bloomed um, after I came out. Mm. Mm. Cause then I was like really able to be like, yeah, I sound gay because yeah. I'm gay, you know, like, <laughs> duh. I didn't have to feel <laughs> shame about yeah. it anymore. And I think but, for me, it's not, it's definitely not coming from a homophobic place at all. It's yeah, for more sure. just like, that I, I'm sure. <laughs> it's more just, I notice different things. And it's like in New York, it's, you talk to a gay person who has the gay accent and it sounds very similar to someone in Florida or someone in Missouri or someone from California who have, it sounds like it's, pretty much almost the same there like in the south there might be a little bit of a southern twang in there but um yeah. but it's still like watch tiger king <laughs> oh god <laughs> i'm still I protesting still, yeah i still have not watched that <laughs> me either <laughs> me neither <laughs> um i wonder if that's because gay communities are mostly online now I don't know, but I don't know the theory. I, oh, so when Michelle asked yeah. this question, I started doing a little bit of research because then it got me wondering. And I definitely think that because it's, it's a specifically related to gay men. So it's not like a general yeah. queer thing. It's like a gay yeah. male. It's certainly not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that there is some of it, like you said, that many of us find ourselves looking up to a lot of women like, um, hello, Ursula is my <laughs> idol. And yes. um I, yes. And we just, and also many times we'll find ourselves around women more um, mm -hmm. growing up in situations. And then I think there's also another thing of why it's becoming more prevalent now is just now as the LGBT community in the last few decades has become more organized. I, I think that it kind of starts with taking some of those female like speech patterns that we learn growing up. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, once, like you said, once we come out, and I think now, like on TV, you hear more gay characters and, and you become being around yeah. other guys like you. And then you just kind of, um, start talking like mm -hmm. people because you talk the same. You've even, we've even talked about this that sometimes I take on yeah. quote unquote the gay accent more <laughs> when I'm around other gay guys. Yes. I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And me, me too. Yeah. And I actually found something really fascinating is that there was actually one Canadian study where listeners correctly identified gay speakers by just hearing their voice in 62% of cases. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Which yeah. I thought was interesting. Um, but they still, but even yeah. everything I was reading says they don't really know exactly what caused it. But I honestly think a little bit of it now comes from the very fact that over time, 
the gay community itself has gotten mm. more organized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, th- I think too, something that I've been thinking about recently, there's, you know, there's a lot of um, dialects around the world that are spoken almost exclusively by queer people. Mm-hmm. Huh. So like, in and I know this is fantastic. Like, this is so interesting to me as someone who, who finds themselves fascinated by uh, linguistics. But yes. in the UK, there was this, um, this secret language that mostly gay men used to avoid detection before homosexuality was decriminalized. Oh, interesting. It was mm-hmm. called Polari. Um, and so it is this kind of campy kind of um, flamboyant way of speaking, but it's a lot of words that people don't understand Mm. in English. So it it takes a lot from Italian. Um, It takes, uh, I think, some from Yiddish and some from Cockney and some from um, other other slangs, and it mixes them all together. And I I feel like I need to listen to this. (laughs) There's there's a YouTube video. It's like a short film of two men having a conversation in Polari. It's really fascinating. It's died out um, because there's no use for Polari anymore. But one of the reasons I think it was so flamboyant and so like it seems so silly, which is part of why I think this is connected to the gay accent, is because men who spoke Polari, they usually spoke it in spaces where they felt totally safe which Mm. was mostly bars and and homes and and places that like were free from the straight gays and so they got to sort of blow off steam (laughs) and they got to be really really fun and silly and make a bunch of jokes (laughs) and be really campy and so i think that might be part of the the gay accent too And, and part of the reason why like i'm much more comfortable speaking in a really gay way around gay people because like oh i don't feel like i have to perform Mm -hmm. as much yeah or i can perform for fun instead of for survival Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah um do you want to go to the next question you had yeah i guess i would take us to our next question is gaydar a real thing oop (laughs) (laughs) so Um, yeah Go ahead, Mary. Well, I... Mm, mm. It's one mm. of the... <laughs> I, nope, you know what? Somebody else Okay, <laughs> so this is, my, this is my explanation to people about gaydar. What straight people think of when they're talking about gaydar, no, that's just called stereotyping. Um, mm. Yeah. That's not gaydar. That doesn't exist. That's just taking on, looking at guys with feminine experiences and and uh women with masculine experience like features or experiences and you know assuming you know stereotyping in that way but i do believe that there is something what is called gay eyes is a real thing uh and for those who don't know what gay eyes is it's actually more of moments where two queer people um especially two lesbians or two gay men will just see each other and then there's just suddenly like an automatic connotation that like Oh, oh your family too. Yeah. And no one says anything oh. and no one moves. You could just be <laughs> passing each other on the street and then you just see each other and you hold the gaze for a second and then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so like I used to work um in college, I worked in a drive-thru at a fast food restaurant. 
And I remember I would be the person at the window and it would happen to me because I worked in Orlando. Okay. Like gay central. So (laughs) I felt like that happened to me many times on a daily basis of just like, just catching the glance of a person. And it wasn't, it's not necessarily something sexual because it's not like a, Oh wow, you're attracted. It's just like, wow, we somehow like, just understand each other. Mm -hmm. And then you just go on with your day. And so I think that that is a real thing. Um, Obviously there are things about stereotyping where, you know, you could, you make judgments on people's clothes or the way they dress. And Mm -hmm. and I think that that's more stereotyping than really what, than an actual thing, but gay eyes. Yes. 100%. I will die on that hill. (laughs) (laughs) That's so, that's so helpful for me to hear. I didn't have a word for it. Yeah. Gay eyes. There's like a double take. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now you literally, for me, it's been so many times in my life where I've had that experience, never saw the person again. We never spoke. I don't know it, but yeah, you just know like, oh yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're queer, you know? Yeah. And I think it definitely happens more. Like for me, it happens a lot more with gay men and the women that I know who have had that, it happens more with other lesbians mm-hmm. or other, or bisexual women. So I, but I've also had it with women. I've also had that happen with women where we've just, I've caught an eye of a, of a woman and just kind of, oh, okay, we're, we're family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Anyone else? I have, I have nothing more to, uh, I have nothing more to add except <laughs> for this. Just that um, I was trying to explain to somebody like why I enjoy these two fictional women, sorry, I love the show Supergirl and I could talk about it for an age, but we're not. Um, (laughs) But why I read these two women's interactions as queer when obviously that wasn't the actress's intentions of doing it and why, you know, my friend did not read it as queer and you just, you ping to different things that just, it reads in a different light and I can't explain it more than that. There's just certain ways that I think the actresses are doing entirely on accident, but you ping to it mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I can't, I'm probably not describing this very well. <laughs> no, that yeah. makes sense. And as, as soon as you say something like, oh, I can, I can tell that she's lesbian because she has an undercut. It sounds ridiculous mm-hmm. because that's yeah. not really <clears throat> it. I mean, that's part of it. There's all sorts of clues that I can like, yes, I see your carabiner. Yes, I see your Subaru outside. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see the flannel you're wearing. Like all these things count, but it's something more than mm-hmm. that. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's like it's inarticulate. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I do have to say in my own personal experience, I feel like and this is where I uh I'll talk about it on the podcast. Okay, <laughs> sure, why not? Um I feel like actually, since I've become a Christian, my kind of sense of other gay people around me has actually become more intensified. Um, Ooh, tell us more. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't call it gaydar, beca- but I, I think it's been more of just that I feel like part of my calling is to help LGBT people spiritually. You know, like, or like just kind of to make churches more inclusive and, and, you know, helping people, helping LGBT people realize that God loves them. And yes, you can be Christian and, mm-hmm. and these kind of situations. And I don't know why, but like over the past few years, I think just, just my connection, like those moments, like gay eye kind of moments, um, or has increased, you know, mm. um, and, 
whatever that is, I feel like just there becomes a sense of the more queer people I spend my time around that um, there is just like a sense that I get around people that recognizing it from senses I've gotten around other people, Mm -hmm. you know, of like, oh, this feels Mm -hmm. very similar. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't want to ever say that like, because gay people come in all shapes, sizes and styles and colors and, and experiences and everything. So there's never a, there's never a real way of being able to tell on every single person because, um, but I definitely think there are ways that I, I definitely think that this is what I will say. This is what I'm trying to say. I definitely think that there is a spiritual connection between LGBT people. Um, mm. And whether that's because of the conne- the experiences that we've shared or something else, I definitely think that we, we share a spiritual connection in, in some ways um, that sometimes bonds us together. And I mean, if you think about it, the entire LGBT community came together from the very fact of being rejected by everyone else. That's what, brought the LGBT community together. And right there, I honestly yeah. put victimization and rejection as a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. because that hits right down to your soul. Yeah. Um, and so I think in that way, connections in between LGBT people can be a real thing because we have all been connected spiritually mm-hmm. in that way. Um, yeah, I think from a little bit of, of the other perspective, I think, I don't know if I would necessarily call it a gaydar but i do think that even like as a straight person i think there is some kind of sense that you get from other people because like mm-hmm. growing up i like would always say like oh no i don't have that or like i don't have a gaydar to use the term that we're talking about um but then mm-hmm. i think over the last few years as i've gotten to know you josh and as i've kind of been through that relationship that I have with Josh, I've been surrounded by even more LGBT people over the last few years. I feel like um, there is kind of like sometimes I'll be walking around in the store and not like a stereotyping way, but I'll get like a sense from someone where I'm like, I don't think you're straight. <laughs> not like in a not in a bad yeah. way or not in a negative way, but it's just kind of like a, a moment where I'm like, hmm. And I mean, uh, granted, I'm not going to sit there and try to say like oh they're definitely a gay person but um because i don't want to ever like stereotype someone or just kind of make a a snap judgment about someone but it does make me sit there and question Mm -hmm. so i think there is like some kind of sense that you get like once you've been as a straight person if you've been around like lgbt people i think there's just kind of like a a sense that you get from people yeah to some extent yeah. 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 Um so valid. Um we're we're going to need to kind of close this soon. I want us mm-hmm. to get to a few more. But I also had a question. Okay. Is everyone okay with staying on a little bit longer and doing a few for the patrons or does do people need to go? Absolutely. I would love that. I also have a story to share that I've been saving for. Okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. So I want to hear a story. <laughs> All right, so we're going to answer just a few more, and then we're going to close today. But also our patrons, stay tuned on our Patreon page, because we're going to stay afterwards and share a few more that will be just for you guys on our Patreon page. But let's go down. Before we close, one thing, one of the ones I really wanted to get to in our general one is at the bottom, the ones about being gay and celibate. So we had a few ones here, which were like, but you're not gay unless you have gay sex, right? 
This is number three mm. under the being gay and celibate. Oh my or my God. other favorite one kind of connected to this one is the last one. So yeah. you're celibate. What letter does that make you in the gay alphabet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the C. <laughs> LGBTQIAC. Uh, I'm a GC. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Or 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 the other one in here. Some of these are so related. So I'm just going to read this, which was like someone talking to their friend, them. Oh, so you're not like an active homosexual, though. Me. I mean, I guess I should leave my house more. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all better not be active at all. You're in quarantine. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Six feet apart. What are you talking about? I'm very, I am very active. I am active. very active. I go out. <laughs> and I eat. And that's honestly about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is so true because, like, I think that people, I don't know, they make this automatic connotation that in order to be gay, you have to be in a relationship or you have to either that or you need to be sexually active mm-hmm. of some, of some, you know, in some way. And it's like, no, like being gay does not necessarily require me to be sexually active uh, or, or being queer in general. Because, I mean, also, there's just so many experiences along it. But Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I think it goes back to when many of us discovered that we were different. It was not about even sexual desire at all. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was something deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Uh a sort of relationality oriented toward yeah. the same sex primarily. And then later on it it took on a sexual dimension. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think that it requires being gay requires me to be, to do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of a, it's mostly an internal experience. I mean, it, it necessarily affects things that I do, um, but I have a real choice <laughs> and many of us have decided to be celibate and I don't know, celibate gang represent. Mm-hmm. Love it. <laughs> we'll put the C up there soon enough. <laughs> but I do want to say in contrast to active homosexual can we just start calling i'm like i loved one comment you made grant about being a very lazy homosexual i'm a very lazy homosexual i'm like can we just respond now to that like so are you an active homosexual no honestly i'm a very lazy one i mean i go to the park sometimes but other than that (laughs) oh no that could be mistaken Oh gosh, that sounded bad. I didn't mean it like that. Um. <laughs> oh, oh no. this has been great. I've been tripping over myself the whole time. This has been like amazing. Um, yeah, I was thinking we kind of went over all this stuff, but we never really gave final thoughts to oh, yeah. straight listeners or mm, people yeah. listening who you know in mm-hmm. general. So I would say we do closing remarks. Closing remarks from these what are some things you would want to share to everyone yeah um i guess i can go first um i think just i think one of the biggest things for me where i've noticed that i've um been able to relate a lot better with lgbt people is honestly just being honest with my questions and being honest with um just wanting to learn because i think uh one of the biggest things for me was just realizing that 
there is an entire LGBT culture that I didn't really realize was there. And the best thing that you can do with any culture is literally just ask mm. questions. Um, and so I think I've learned a lot and I feel like it's connected me a lot with LGBT people, just with me, honestly, just wanting to learn and just wanting to understand a lot better. So I would say, like, don't be afraid of asking questions, even if they're the most really random questions, like, why is there a gay accent? Um, because it's yeah. like, I feel like people are more receptive to just genuine interest than they are um, just quick judgments. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say just ask questions. There's, yeah. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen if you ask questions? Yeah, I, I would agree with that because it's like a few nights ago, yeah. we were talking as a house and one of our friends was, um, who's staying with us asked, Hey, Josh, can you explain to me the difference between sex and gender? <laughs> and so I explained and then it just started this two hour conversation yeah. on like sexuality and gender mm -hmm. and asexuality and pansexuality yeah. and he everything. He just kept asking questions. He just kept asking yeah. questions. Just kept answering. And I, it was the most honoring conversation I've had. That's and so it was good. really it was really great because you could just tell he wanted to learn. And he was like, mm -hmm. okay. And then he would ask another question. And I was like, I am more than happy to answer as <laughs> yeah. much as I can, you know. Um and I mean obviously I don't have all of the experiences, so some of it was more just from yeah. knowledge. But still, I, I, I do agree. I think that there is a thing of I think it's like uh, I think what we can see from a lot of these questions is there is the intentionality of wanting to ask the questions. Mm -hmm. And I think just the one part is, is taking that intentionality, but then also on top of that, just as much as from whatever language you've learned from the person, people that LGBT people around you is trying to put it into terminology, you know, like that they're comfortable with. Yeah. Or, or does that make sense? Like yeah. some, some, one of the things with a lot of these questions has never been like necessarily that the question itself was bad. But that sometimes it's like, okay, the word, the, the question mm -hmm. can be worded yeah. better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The phrasing. Yeah. But yeah. I see like some of these even that we didn't address. Like um, there's this really sweet one. Oh, hey, I forgot to ask. You're a struggle. Same sex attraction. How's that going? <laughs> yeah. Bless his heart. He tried. So, I feel like we are. So sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell when somebody comes at you, maybe with like, maybe stumbling over words, but they are trying their darndest and with good intentions. And we see that, but on the opposite, the opposite end is also true. So do try. Well, and, and that's where I just kind of say, you know, that's open. where I always tell straight people, listen to the language, the LGBT person that you're talking to is using, mm -hmm. you know, and use that. You know, like, for instance, yeah. if they call yeah. themselves gay, use that term. If they call themselves same sex attracted, use that term. Like what, whatever term, like the terminology that they use, talk in that language as much as you can. Because mm -hmm. um, it shows that you're listening. It mm -hmm. shows that you're being receptive. Yeah. Um, yeah. As much as possible. But and I think a lot of LGBT people are like this, like that question, like our honoring of that, the intentionality behind the question is good. Yeah. I think what I what I would say is that miscommunication mm -hmm. is kind of inevitable. Like mm -hmm. we're gonna we're gonna mess up words and we're gonna even when I'm trying to to speak with other queer people, this happens where I say something that it sounds really offensive and I have to be like, mm -hmm. oh I'm sorry, I didn't yep. I didn't mean 
mean to say it like that or i didn't i didn't intend for it to hurt, to hurt you like those sorts of things mm-hmm. will happen in an ideal situation like they're just inevitable so you don't have to feel guilty yes. for making a linguistic mistake or for saying something that sounds to us mm-hmm. um painful or hurtful like i'm very willing to forgive so much and to move on and to recognize that people aren't um, speaking the language that I am, but mm, we just have to sort right. of process through it together. So, yeah. and that's, that's what's important is the processing together. Mm. All right. Can I, can I just add, um, I also just wanted to say thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's been really fun being on here again with everybody and Absolutely. getting to come back for season two. Um, so it's been really fun asking all these questions and being kind of like the straight voice in, in this. Yeah. It's been awesome. Y'all, this won't be the last time you hear Michelle. <laughs> Thank you. You did a great mm-hmm. job. We are yeah. happy to have the straight I love voice. you all. Love straight And people. everyone, this won't be the last time you hear <laughs> Michelle, so she'll be back. Thank you guys all for listening. Like I said, for our patrons, um, stay tuned on our Patreon page because very soon we will be putting up um, our continued talks on this because we're going to stay on and we are going to talk um, for everyone. Stay tuned next week for our next um, episode, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Love you. Bye. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned next week for another episode. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys.